This is Dr. C, and I'm stoked to welcome you to an episode of Christory the Podcast. When history is told by Christine, the good old days, and even the not-so-good old days, will make you nod your head. I'm glad you made it to the party. Let's do this. Welcome again to Christory, where history rules and it's always an adventure, at least the history that we explore here, because we leave the boring stuff and the beaten track to someone else. This is Dr. Christine Contrada, and in today's episode of Christory, we bravely explore the volatile legacy of a larger-than-life Italian. On June 12th, 86-year-old Silvio Berlusconi, a three-time Prime Minister of Italy, died in a hospital in Milan, where he was being treated for leukemia. This flamboyant billionaire, media mogul, who owned three private TV networks and a major newspaper in Italy, also owned the football team, AC Milan. He might be gone, but he's certainly not forgotten. As a populist leader, Berlusconi was seen by many as a threat to democracy. He was a very polarizing figure riddled with scandal. For those that supported Silvio, they appreciated his determination to strengthen Italy's position on the world stage. He managed to stay in power from 2001 to 2006, which is Lord of the Rings trilogy level long by Italian standards, because rarely does Italy have that kind of stability in government due to a mixed multi-party system that stretched across political extremes in a system designed to prevent the rise of another dictator like Mussolini. Despite the system, Berlusconi was kicking the can through Italian Parliament until the end. He was elected as a senator to Italian Parliament just last year. Call it tenacity, call it egotism, it's probably a mix of both. Now I could filibuster about Berlusconi's Stairway to Heaven level long, but this podcast, we're going to take a brief look at two spicy, polarizing aspects of Berlusconi's legacy, his questionable friendships and his warped view of history. I encourage you to read more about Berlusconi if he's new to you, because the man's career will either simply raise your eyebrows or make them shoot off your head. In this case, even the Swiss don't maintain their neutrality when they handed over incriminating bank documents during his criminal trial. Now forget nation states for a minute because I've got a personal beef with the man. When I was a graduate student, the Italian government under his leadership fell so far into debt and cut so much funding to Italy's libraries and archives, citing extreme austerity measures, that it got to the point when I was sitting in the Biblioteca Nazionale in the dark without air conditioning trying to write my dissertation in the heat of summer as the library was told not to run up the electric bill. I had to be young, because at the time I was simply thankful that unlike the Archivio di Stato, that the library simply just didn't call it a summer and close early. Berlusconi, you made an otherwise challenging undertaking of completing a PhD way worse with your antics. That was also the summer when I could have made a donation to reupholster a chair at said library. Back when dinosaurs roamed the earth before GoFundMe, graduate students then and graduate students now didn't have that kind of money lying around. Mo money, mo problems. Or maybe not, because I just sat on that busted cushion admiring Galileo's drawings of the moon just fine. 
Despite trying not to sweat on them, wondering if it was hot enough that I could cook a pizza on the table next to me. So sometimes politics does actually get personal. Silvio and I might not have been best buds, but he had plenty of friends in far higher places than I. So let's start with his friendship with Putin. While most Western leaders slam the often shirtless and state media-level dictator for the raging conflict in Ukraine, Berlusconi defended his old buddy until the end. Just last year, Berlusconi got 20 bottles of Primo Vodka shipped to him with what Berlusconi described as a sweet card. Now, Berlusconi returned the favor with a shipment of sparkling wine from Italy and an equally, and I quote, sweet card. What I would not give to read these sweet cards, considering the war in Ukraine, these middle school-esque level love notes raised a global eyebrow. When Berlusconi died, Putin sent a telegram that gushed. I have always sincerely admired his wisdom, his ability to make balanced, far-sighted decisions, even in the most difficult situations, Putin wrote. And Putin went on to say that during each of our meetings, I was literally charged with his incredible vitality, optimism, and sense of humor. Now, if this doesn't sound like Putin to you, or at least the one you think you know, he doesn't have a lot of friends to gush over. Berlusconi might have turned Putin into the horse with eyes emoji, but the Catholic Church couldn't decide if Berlusconi was friend or foe. They liked his conservative politics, but not all of his sex scandals, like his bunga bunga parties. Now, the term bunga comes from an Australian colloquialism for dating, so it seems kind of neutral. But it didn't start as a label that had anything to do with hanging out skinny dipping with underage prostitutes. But that's what it refers to when you use it in the context of Berlusconi. The term bunga bunga parties will continue to be a lasting and rather embarrassing legacy of Berlusconi. But despite that scandal, Pope Francis, in a condolence telegram sent to Berlusconi's eldest daughter, Marina, assured her that her father had carried out public responsibility with energetic temperament. And Francis often also said in this case that he would offer a remembrance and prayer for eternal peace for Berlusconi and the consolidation of the hearts for those who might weep in his passing. Very diplomatic offering considering the circumstances, I'd say. And during the massive state funeral for Berlusconi that was held in Milan, the archbishop playing MC said, and I quote, Silvio Berlusconi has certainly been a politician. He certainly has been a businessman, and he certainly has been a figure in the limelight of notoriety. But at this time of farewell and prayer, what can we say about Silvio Berlusconi? He said he was a man. He had a desire for life, a desire for love, a desire for joy. Also diplomatic. And it doesn't seem like whether you loved him or you hate him, it's common for people who knew him to be certain that he did have a zest for life. Speaking of zest, but going back to bunga bunga parties in the name of friendship, Libyan leader Gaddafi 
seemingly a source of inspiration for these wild orgies that made P. Diddy's white parties in the Hamptons look like a school dance from Little House on the Prairie. Berlusconi was Gaddafi's friend in Good Times and Bad, and one of Gaddafi's last European allies, as this Libyan leader was seen as erratic and brutal to the point of being labeled as not mentally sound to rule. While much of the world seemed revealed by Gaddafi's murder in 2011, not Berlusconi. Berlusconi had worked really hard to patch up Italy's relationship with Libya in the name of oil. He apologized for Italy's former occupation of Libya while pledging friendship and partnership. The idea, of course, here is that if you play nice in the sandbox, you get oil. Now, Berlusconi was flashy, but Gaddafi was another level. He rolled into Rome's Fumicino Airport in 2010 to visit his main trade partner, complete with Amazon female bodyguards, Arabian stallions, and Bedouin tents. It's not easy to outshine Berlusconi, but this friend actually did. Berlusconi is stubbornly loyal. I'll definitely give him that. And he got along swimmingly with George W. Bush long after Berlusconi's backing of the U.S. after 9-11. The two of them hung out at the ranch in Texas. They slapped each other on the back constantly. They talked sports. They went to war together. But when Berlusconi rolled into Washington in 2008, Bush faced incredibly low approval ratings and little to no support in Washington. His BFF Berlusconi paid that no mind and told the press in Washington without batting an eyelash, which the Botox may have prevented anyway, but he said that I'm 100% sure and positive that history will say that George W. Bush has been a great, very great president of the United States of America. Berlusconi went on to say, I've been honored over the years by the possibility of cooperating with you. I found in you a man of great ideals, great principles, a man of vision. Berlusconi continued, it's always been easy for me to share your ideas, to share your visions, to be next to you, to stand next to you, because we're always bound by this love of freedom, love for democracy, respect for others, and feelings common feelings that we just want to serve our people. I know that these are sounding like wedding vows between Italy and the United States level. But Bush returned the compliments. He thanked Berlusconi for his friendship, and I quote, and his wisdom, calling him, also quoted, a man of sincere principle who speaks his mind and keeps his word. Bush even took a rather weak stab at saying a few words in Italian. This was a friendly gesture way outside of Bush's normal comfort zone. By the end of the trip to the States, Berlusconi had declared that he and Bush would remain friends forever. Anyone else thinks that it sounds like that they exchanged friendship bracelets before he left? Based on all this, it's not surprising that when George W. Bush sent a message to honor his friend's passing, he described Berlusconi as a vibrant leader with a personality to match. He went on to say that there was never a dull moment with Silvio. He strengthened the friendship between Italy and the United States, and we are grateful for this commitment to our important alliance. So 
It's clear that Berlusconi's friends wasted no time in praising their compadre. But Berlusconi had a lot to say about himself, too. He was about as humble as a peacock on steroids. Berlusconi compared himself shamelessly to some of history's heaviest hitters. He generally had a warped view of history, and he definitely would have failed my Western Civilization final exam. But in historical order, I warn you, prepare yourself, because in February of 2006, Berlusconi compared himself to none other than Jesus. When he said the following about himself, Berlusconi said, and I quote, I am Jesus Christ of politics. I am a patient victim. I put up with everyone. I sacrifice myself for everyone. Now, if that wasn't enough, speaking of egos, in February of 2006, same month, same year, Berlusconi also compared himself to Napoleon. He said, and I quote, only Napoleon did more than I have done, he told a TV talk show host, and proceeded to tell the same host that, but I'm definitely taller. I'm sorry, Berlusconi, but actually, no. Napoleon was taller than you. Napoleon stood at 5 feet 6 inches, and Berlusconi was only about 5'5". Berlusconi's historical gaffes are seemingly endless. In 2003, he really set the media into a frenzy when he defended the record of Italian fascist dictator Benito Mussolini by claiming that Mussolini never killed anyone, but merely, and I quote, sent people away on vacation. In 2006, Berlusconi took on global history when he claimed that Chinese communists under Mao had babies, and I quote, boiled to fertilize the fields. While the Chinese embassy in Rome decried the unfounded claims, it didn't stop Berlusconi from selling AC Milan, his soccer team that he owned for three decades, to Chinese investors to help clean up his finances for his heirs, even though he thought that they had boiled babies. The icing on the cake, in case you thought that that wasn't it, of Berlusconi's warped historical lens, when Berlusconi said, and I quote, I am without a doubt the person who's been most persecuted in the entire history of the world and the entire history of man. This is the point at which I raise my hand and say, actually, no. Historians can play a vital role in cultivating humility when it comes to contemporaries going completely off the rails. So how has Berlusconi's passing affected the State of the Union in Italy? Well, Italy's current Prime Minister, Maloney, got her break into politics thanks to Berlusconi. And she rose to power because Berlusconi rallied the right to take down Draghi's pandemic government. The issue to watch politically is that Berlusconi's Forza Italia party is a part of Maloney's coalition in Parliament, And Forza seems to be rudderless, so there's going to be some major political square dancing. If you miss Berlusconi's crude, but at times quite comical antics, have no fear with Maloney at the helm. The day she got elected as Italy's prime minister, Maloney posted a video of herself on social media 
proudly holding two rather large melons against her chest, a play on her name and the Italian slang for breasts. While I wasn't with Berlusconi, I'm going to bet the cantaloupe farm that he got quite the kick out of this brash display of sexual humor. The left media went for an 11th hour Hail Mary against Maloney based on the TikTok video, but she still got elected. So what was the relationship between Berlusconi and Maloney like? Well, those two got along most of the time, but they were cut from the same cloth. So they tended to fight because they wanted the same thing. They got along a lot better when Berlusconi was in the elder statesman role. He then snubbed her a few times as she gained more power. And Maloney had the cojones to say in an interview that she owed him squat. And the media set interview was on one of Berlusconi's TV stations. So Berlusconi was caught on camera after that, actually admitting that he was afraid of her. And polls were speaking to why, because she's far more popular, and probably more popular now, as she swept Berlusconi's supporters under her wing at the funeral. There she said, and I quote, that Berlusconi was a man who was never afraid to stand up for his beliefs. And it was exactly that courage and that determination that made him one of the most influential men in the history of Italy. So in the end, Maloney didn't separate herself from him, which judging by the general sense of grief for Berlusconi in the country, she read the crowd right, right for her own political gain. She's a shrewd one. And you have to be able to be that way to deal with Italian politics. So we're going to see what the future holds for the more volatile than Etna nature of Italian politics. This historian is of the mind that there are far too many surface-level comparisons between Berlusconi and Trump floating around. Journalists are readily able to point towards the fact that, okay, these are two media tycoons. They're both showmen. They like women. They're prone to verbal gaffes. They both engage in aggressive trips to the tanning bed. They have similar superego personalities, but that's about as deep as Berlusconi's non-existent brow lines after a facelift. I mean, these guys are fundamentally different in the fact, too, that Berlusconi wasn't an outsider to politics, and in the end, he used a similar political influence to avoid corruption charges and jail time. He got slapped with a bit of tax fraud, but he did community service in a nursing home where I am sure that the residents hailed him like a king. We'll see if Trump is able to pull that Trump card out of his pocket in the near future. I find their obvious deep cultural differences to be fascinating. For example, when Berlusconi was asked in a midday news TV show, how he felt about being compared to Trump. He said it didn't make him feel one way or the other. And he added that he did like Trump's wife for her beauty and her style. The Berlusconi, like many Italians, are always looking for that la bella figura, which is a compliment to her for making a good impression. For those outside of Italy, it isn't the easiest thing to pin down and explain. It's an intangible beauty. It's like an art of living well 
that strikes the tourists in Italy as something that they can't quite put their finger on, but they recognize it as being very different from what they left at home. La Bella Figura is far more subtle than the golden toilet bowl that was offered to Trump. It's Berlusconi's big, beautiful smile versus Trump's usual sour puss. Berlusconi points to an interesting pattern in human behavior, and thus history, of seeing a controversial life through rosy glasses at the time of their death. From kind remarks made by French President Macron to Italy's gay pride party spokesman speaking up in favor of Berlusconi, to Italy's former Prime Minister Renzi, to the Italian president speaking well of Berlusconi, you'd never guess how Berlusconi was an adversarial combatant. Perhaps there is grief involved, or maybe in part it's a sigh of relief, in which an adversary is no longer a threat. When the dust settles, it's going to be a lot clearer what Berlusconi's historical legacy will actually be. Berlusconi did say, and I quote, that he was the best prime minister Italy ever had. Now, I'm going to venture an educated guess here and say that many historians are not going to be playing that fiddle. So this historian isn't the first chair in that orchestra, but I'm going to be chiming in as the chips fall. So here at Christery, I pride myself on being able to make any historical topic interesting. But in this case, the protagonist is larger than life, and I had to keep myself from being blinded by the spotlight of the big top. I felt more like a ringmaster than a historian with this level of hyperbole around Berlusconi. So ladies and gentlemen, children of all ages, thank you for coming along for the ride, and catch you later. 